0: This is a place that really changed my life. Just being there, you see just snow. You don't see much on all the trip that I did from Hercules Inlet to South Pole. I saw no animals, no birds. That was hard because you have nothing to see, you know. But still, you have the beautiful sky and the land is just under your, your feet and you're going straight
1: the pole. That's Carolyn Cote. She set the record for a solo expedition on skis to the south pole by a woman traveling over 1,100 kilometers unsupported from the Antarctic coast to the pole in just 33 days. Amazing. She's our guest on this episode of Explore, a Canadian geographic podcast. Welcome to all you explorers out there, armchair and in motion. We here on Explore love a good journey and Carolyn Cote had an epic one. We'll get to her journey in just a minute. But first, a quick thanks to listeners Chris O'Brien and Stephen Bright for sharing photos of where they were listening to explore on a transatlantic flight and a beautiful hike in one of Toronto's ravines, respectively. We love getting those photos, so keep them coming. Tag us at cangeo and at MacGuffinDavid on Twitter or at cangeo and at david.mcguffin on Instagram and we'll happily repost those and highlight your wonderful photography. Thank you. Also, the annual Royal Canadian Geographical Society Fellows Dinner is back on November 15th at the Canadian War Museum in Ottawa. It has a new name too, Geographica. Whatever it's called, it's always a fun evening packed with interesting speakers and auctions and a delicious meal and a lot more. It's all in support of a good cause, the Royal Canadian Geographical Society, so it's worth going and you can buy tickets at rcgs.org forward slash geographica. So Carolyn Cote, this is a fun and fascinating conversation. The bulk of it, of course, is about her record-breaking 33-day journey to the South Pole on her own, dragging everything she needs in a sled behind her, a harsh terrain and climate, the physical and mental challenge of doing this alone, broken skis, being reduced to eating butter on her last days, how the music of Gilles Vigneault blocked out the Antarctic winds and kept propelling her forward. It's all here, and we also get into her journey as a kid coming from Longueuil, Quebec, outside Montreal, finding inspiration in nature in the little forest behind her house, to becoming a documentary filmmaker, to the epic polar adventurer she is today, and why her favorite place in Canada is Grise Fjord in Canada's High Arctic. Enjoy, Caroline Cote, welcome. For the Canadian Geographic Explore Podcast.
0: <laughs> Thanks. It's really nice to be here. Well,
1: it's great to have you here, and, con- and congratulations! I have to say, a belated congratulations on your world record uh, trek to the to the to the South Pole, and what an incredible feat that <laughs> is! And I mean, it's now about six months later. Is it is it still incredible in your mind what you have pulled off?
0: Well, I would say no. I I think it's already in the past. It's it's yeah. bad for me to think that way because you know. I need to put uh, myself other challenges, but at the same time, I feel so um, grateful that I had the chance to go there and uh, experience that place. Uh, still, I have so many things that stayed in me after that mm-hmm. uh, big uh, big trip. Um, the sixth last month, I would say, I was more um, really calm, uh, staying at home, uh, thinking about that and just... Uh, Just taking time uh, with myself because I was uh, 33 days uh, on my own and uh, I just felt that I don't always need to be surrounded with a lot of people to be uh, good with myself. So the sixth last month, I I spent so much time with uh, just me and I felt so great. Not that I don't like being with people. It's No, no, I would say uh, not at all. But uh, for me, it was important to do that process and coming back um, and thinking about what was achieved
1: there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because you were alone uh, that that whole trip. I mean, obviously, there's a sat phone, but that's not, you know, that's not replacing <laughs> no, human no. company. No, no. But, I mean, I want to get to the trip, but before we get to that, I'm always curious about where our explorers came from and what sparked that, um, you know, that, that's, that spark of, of exploration, where that came from. Um so I mean wh- where did you grow up and wh- what did your parents do?
0: Yeah so I um, was born uh, close to Montreal uh, in um, Longueuil, uh, south shore of Montreal. Really a quiet place, not much um not a lot of activities to do there uh, related to outdoors. Uh, I spent my uh, my life until I was uh, 20 um at this uh, Nice place, and and there was not much uh, to do uh, related to nature. But still, um, there was a small wood uh, behind my place. And um, I learned so much there. I learned about the animals that were living in this little wood. Mm -hmm. I uh, learned how to uh, make some fire and just small details like that. And still today, this is what I love the most, going uh, not to do an adventure, to feel the extreme about the place, but really feel the small details, you know, see nature and and, and see how trees are growing and stuff. And I just uh, decided that my goal in my life after I was 20 was maybe to go more outside, um, but in the mind of my parents, adventure would not be a work. And for sure, I would never say to my kids, oh, there's a lot of work in this area. You know, it's, a, yeah. it's not a common place to go or um, to feel that your kid can.
1: Yeah, no, it's not going, Not going into the law or something like
0: that. <laughs> no, 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 no. no.
1: What, so, what did your parents do?
0: I saw my father. Uh, he was a biologist. And my mother, she was uh, working in a museum. And uh, they wanted me to, you know, maybe go more background of maybe history of or, you know, something really more. um,
1: But that's interesting, because you can sort of see where biology and museums, like that's all sort of built into kind of what you're doing though, right? There's a curiosity in that. There's a nature aspect to all that. Sure. Would that be right?
0: Yeah. um, I don't know. I felt that my goal was maybe to to um, just tell stories about what I was seeing uh, outdoor. And uh, I decided to take a camera. And the more I was um, experiencing stuff with my camera outside, the more I was um, able to do some short documentaries. And I decided to um, study in uh, cinema. Mm-hmm.
1: As,
0: uh, what was the most, Common place for me to go after what I, yeah, I lived. Um, so I brought, you did.
1: You studied film. Where was that at university? Or
0: so I started in um, Cégep uh, um, College, mm-hmm. and that uh, that was good. But for me, it was more. No, I wanted to learn all the history of filmmaking for sure, mm-hmm. but never I felt that I was at my place in that environment because uh, it was mostly documentary about society in the city everything was related to um, things where I didn't felt uh, at my place and then after I just did some search to find out that maybe I could go to Benf and you know that festival called the Benf mm-hmm. Mountain Film Festival yeah. Um my goal was really to become one of the, the directors there and do a really nice film about uh, some people doing some sports. Uh, and I just decided to do a workshop there. And uh, that changed my life. Yeah.
1: yeah. How did that happen? Like what was happening in that workshop?
0: So this is a two-weeks workshop. And um, I went there. I didn't know what uh, to expect about that place, and uh, you learn really to uh, film in nature uh, with other people, and you can do extraordinary things with with a team. And um, I just, uh, I, I when I was there for like nine days, and um, I felt that I wanted to continue uh, that uh, that way that uh, mm-hmm. process, and. I started to express myself as a, a filmmaker, adventure filmmaker, after um, it was important for me to be able to say that so c- uh, people can relay and trust me in that position. And slowly it started to be um, my work. After mm-hmm. all, I, um, I went uh, in Antarctica for the first time to film uh, one expedition on the peninsula with... Uh, oh, wow a great uh, group of um, five other people and uh, we were there to um, do a 30 days expedition try to um, go on top of some mountains that were not climbed at the time and then uh, this also really marked the fact that I wanted to be a film uh, director Um, so I filmed all the expedition and it uh, it made a, a documentary about I think it was uh, 40 minutes. My first one. It's not so good now, but I really enjoy going there. And
1: yeah, and that sparked it. Is it around this point you're thinking? You're still thinking I'm a director, or is there are, at some point are you starting to think? Oh, maybe I can be the person actually doing these expeditions. When when does that shift happen?
0: Oh yeah. So that uh, took not a lot of time for me to design. Decided to do my own expedition. Um, I was with uh, this team called the XP Antarctic. And um, I needed to learn everything out there uh, because I was... um, I never really camped outside uh, in the winter when I was younger, you know. I was... uh, 23 at the time. So I decided to. Because I have
1: to say, if you haven't done it, it seems like a crazy thing to do,
0: right?
1: <laughs> Winter camping. <laughs> like, if oh. you're living in a nice suburban house with central heating, yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I remember I was outside that with my first um, boyfriend. I felt so lonely. We were uh, camping in uh, the White Mountains and um, it was night and uh, the trees were. Um, going in the winds and I felt really it was something new for me but I really experienced that in the past in summer but never in winter. Yeah. So that was so hard and uh, I just decided to ask the team uh, if I uh, was able to go with them uh, in expedition because at first they they said no to me. They said uh, no, 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 Uh, it's, it's For sure, you will never be able to learn everything before we are going. And I took two months and uh, I spent two months stopping everything I was doing and learning about the crevasse rescue, uh, first aid in um, uh, wild and remote places. I took some um, courses about, you know, a lot of stuff that I needed. So I can be ready to go, and then I uh, came back and uh, asked the leader of the expedition,
1: um, yeah.
0: "Should should I go now? I, am I ready?" And he said, "Yeah, now I think you're you're That's ready awesome. to go." You know, so That's we good. yeah.
1: So who, so who are these guys? Like who, who, what's this so group?
0: they uh, they were all uh, adventure guides in Montreal. Mm. There is a really good um, um, school where you can learn mm. everything. There uh, it's in. The, uh, Saint Laurent College, and uh, you, I think they have two mm-hmm. years, and they can uh, learn everything there. So I was amazed by all the experience they they had out there. I had none. So I spent uh, yeah these uh, these months training, and after all, uh, he said yes. Uh, we uh, we were about to go, but still I had to uh, find a lot of money to go, and we were going yeah. to the peninsula with. Um, a boat, a sailing boat um, from um, Chile going to um, Cap Horn and after going to the peninsula and that was also part of the adventure because uh, going uh, through the Cap Horn with a sailing boat is quite uh, amazing.
1: (laughs) Just explain what that trip is, that's from where to where, that's
0: so the goal of the team was really to explore one part of the uh, uh, peninsula of Antarctica. And oh wow! Horn is uh, the place you go straight from Chile or Argentina straight mm-hmm. to uh, to the peninsula. So there's a lot of big winds, big waves. I think this is the place in the world
1: where where yeah, crazy yeah. storms, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. and uh, it's it's a place where I started to say to myself, well, maybe I'm a bit too small to go there. You know, it's, it's already too much for me. Uh, It's seven days on the sailing boat to reach Antarctica. And I felt maybe uh, I should stay on the boat and not go on the field with them. And um, yeah, I'm so glad I did that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Antarctica is a place you keep coming back to then, I, which is incredible. And I, so let's get, let's get to this, this record-breaking trip because sure. um, we're an incredible feat. So you did this solo on skis, unsupported, which means you were hauling everything that you needed, right? And there was no resupply?
0: No, no resupply. So everything yeah. that I had with me needed to be the best gear yeah. that I would uh, have. Yeah. Uh, I had to do no mistakes with the gear I had because I had no second um, part of equipment, you know. Uh, I wanted to do that quite fast. So I needed to take some risk concerning what I was bringing because, you know, I could have brought a lot of gear like, you know, a pillow, (laughs) uh, uh, a lot of uh, different skis, a lot of uh, boots. But the fact is that... The more I uh, would carry, the more I would be slow.
1: So you're pulling up a pulk or a sled, right? Is that yeah? Yeah. And how much how much did that weigh as you're taking off?
0: So I started with uh, one hundred kilo, and I just uh, took some wow. things off. And so at uh, the start line, I was about uh, seventy kilos. That's not big compared to other people uh, what Same. they carry out yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So everything was uh, super light on the sled.
1: So you're leaving from Hercules Inlet, right? And I, So obviously I've never been there. But I'm picturing maybe Emperor Penguins waving goodbye to you. What's that scene like, though?
0: This is a place that really changed um, my life. Just being there,
1: yeah. having
0: the, the chance to stand in a place where you see just snow. There is no <laughs> nothing else. Uh, it's a place where you don't have a lot of uh, wildlife. Uh, It's already too far from the the shore. It's a bit... um, It's on the... It's some kilometers away from the shore, so you don't see much. uh, On all the trip uh, that I did from Hercules Inlet to South Pole, I saw no animals, no birds. Wow. Um, And um, that was hard because you have nothing to see, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: But still... You have the beautiful sky and the land is just under your your feet and you're going straight to the pole. So it's uh, it's hard to describe, really. But I started. Um, I was at uh, Union Glacier, so this mm-hmm. is a base camp yeah. um, where there's a lot of people working for bringing people in expedition all over um, the place. Uh, mm-hmm. The people there, they work there for all the summer. So they have about 60 tents and they're living out there on the campsite. Uh, They welcome you. I spent one week there uh, to prepare my gear. And I had some meetings with the communication team, uh, with the medical team, the meteorologic uh, team also. So they said to me, okay. Uh, next week, we have a day where uh, you have uh, good weather. Mm-hmm. So it's okay for you. Uh, let's say you can go and uh, try this in three Great. days. Yeah.
1: What's, what does good weather look like down there? I mean, it is it is summer, but it's, you know, an Antarctic summer.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the summer out there is not really long. Uh, you have uh, not a lot of time, two or maximum three months to mm-hmm. uh, to reach the pole yeah so i uh, i started and it was a uh, pretty nice weather it was like um, uh, minus 13 the first day i started mm. uh yeah. blue sky so it's it it was uh, it was good weather
1: um, that's a perfect cross-country ski day really that's oh yeah, like yeah. My, probably my favorite temperature for going out yeah like, yeah it's
0: perfect yeah. and then uh, you know out there uh, at night sun is still there um mm. It's it's really nice to have the sun uh, because the sun in the night is going into your tent, so mm. your tent can stay really warm compared to what you can have here uh, in Quebec in winter. You yeah. you you camp here in winter and this is super cold. Uh, you can have a minus twenty five and 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 out there I was uh, surprised, you know. I um, I thought it would be more cold, but yeah. <laughs> that was the first days. Uh, after maybe... So what's that
1: landscape like? So you're starting yeah. off on a glacier. Is it literally just flat and white for as far as you can see kind of thing?
0: Yeah, the first days, uh, you have to access the, the glacier. You, you just have to go a bit more high. Mm-hmm. And um, this is... Uh, this is a big challenge because you start with all your equipment. I had like uh, 40 days of food.
1: Yeah, you got everything, all the weight at that point, right?
0: <laughs> yes. So uh, still, again, uh, that's uh, another time where I said to myself, you know, Oof, am I uh, the good person to try that? And uh, that time I was alone. And, um, you know, you, when you're... Not with someone, there's no uh, other people that can take decisions, you know, you're the only one to, to take it and sometimes you just need someone else to say, oh yeah, that's a good idea, we should do that or oh no, no, we shouldn't go, uh, there's too much wind. So the first uh, day was really scary for me to to be out there but at the same time I had that, that joy of going and do the, the first ski uh, ski um, movement so mm-hmm. that was uh, that was something uh, really special you have uh, three mountains it's called three cells mountains um, so you can see that from far uh, on your right side and uh, there's not much really yeah. uh, not yeah. much to see if you want to go in a place where you see something you don't go there i uh, yeah. i knew that i uh would have a bit of di- difficulty just to see the snow. Um, yeah. There's a lot of sastrugies um, that are um, created by the wind. And uh, that's that's a hard process when you have a sled to uh, go up and down these sastrugies. And uh, the first part is, um, you know, you will have a lot of uh, small hills, but mm-hmm. nothing really, uh, really big. It's uh, quite really flat.
1: I mean, you talk about earlier being, getting, like, you're now quite used to isolation, like, after 30, 33, 34 days of it. What were those first days like being on <laughs> your own?
0: Well, so the first days, you know, you you don't really have your routine ready, because you, you worked in the past on everything. I had to contact my sponsors. Um, it was a uh, big process to ask everyone to um, help me with that project, you know, and uh, with the communication about the project, the main mistake to do is taking a lot of time to do these things and not practice and not, uh, like, uh, ski a lot. And that what, that's what happened to me. I, was, uh, I had everything ready, but I was exhausted. So I would say the first day out there... uh uh, the the first week I was just super tired and Mm. and that was the biggest challenge because I I felt I needed to sleep so much and just uh, the stress of speaking to everyone that's a big trip so first days were hard for that reason uh and I needed to do a lot of kilometers because you never know what you will encounter uh, in the next weeks. And the first Mm -hmm. week was quite good, so I wanted to do the more kilometers I was able.
1: Yeah, so how many hours a day then would you be skiing?
0: So I would start maybe around uh, 7 or 8 in the morning and uh, would stop around uh, 6 In the evening, six six, uh, or at the end of the afternoon. Um, That was uh, the maximum I could do. It was a big day. And um, Mm -hmm. the the challenge also is um, to um, see where you're going in whiteout condition. And uh, I had some good whiteouts in uh, the first uh, week. I went to Greenland to practice a lot of uh, orienting. Yeah. uh, At least I I did that uh, just before going there. That really helped me to feel confident about uh, where I was going. And for sure, you need to go to South Pole. You need to go in a straight line, but there's a lot of crevasses. You need to uh, go in between. So the direction is not always straight straight Mm -hmm. uh, straight ahead so the first week was a bit of everything um i felt at the end of the first week that i was um i was okay you know i felt i i passed the test for the tree next week i was
1: amazing so uh, i used to work at national public radio in the states and um we interviewed Felicity Aston. Do you know her? She she did a solo similar similar track to you um, in Antarctica. And I remember one of the things she said was she said she she realized I don't know if it was a couple of weeks in, but uh, but there was a day where she realized she hadn't cried that day. And she's a tough woman, I'll say this. But she realized she hadn't cried that day, and it was like the first day that she hadn't cried. You know, and yeah. she was doing a solo expedition too. And since she started, or whatever it was, you know, and it's like just and of which just that clicked for me. That clicked home. How tough this really is.
0: Oh yeah, you know, I should speak to her because I felt the same. Um, it's not that you're weak. It's it's really not that. Um, I I cried a lot on that trip too. It's just that your body is uh, just tired to suffer, and uh, you know, cold gives you no break um mm. you never go inside so when you want to feel f- to feel better you know you you what do you do you eat more for sure but you're always on the movement because when you're moving it's not cold so sometimes it's like the stress needs to to go down and um in the morning the first thing i was uh, doing is uh, like uh, praying that the day would go well and uh, that uh, there wouldn't be no um, bad thing happening. I broke a a ski and uh, I broke my solar panel. You have to deal with a lot of little problems that at the end of the trip, it's like a huge problem altogether because you need to to, uh, take care of so many details and yeah. You... So a broken
1: ski, for instance, do you have another pair of skis, or are you fixing a ski?
0: Well, the thing was that I um, I took a chance to bring one pair of ski, um, and that was I would say it's a, it was a good choice, but uh, I needed to be really careful with them, and uh, it was it was hard with the screws the sastrugi's and uh, the ski just uh, went a bit down and you know i just repair it with some glue uh, and it stays huh. uh, okay until the end of the expedition so i was super ah, happy so lucky, <laughs> yeah, <really> lucky.
1: <laughs> no kidding oh yeah wow that's you know. very lucky and then i'm thinking a solar panel that's all you're charging too right like that's all of your devices that you're communicating with and
0: that's hard when you see your equipment uh, having problem just after the the first week. Uh, that's what happened to me, and um, my ski broke after uh, my solar panel broke just the day after. And um, you you think that you will know you you won't be able to go at the end because I was not able to speak with. Um, union glacier uh, communication team if my uh, solar panel would uh, stay broken so i decided to uh, take uh, one evening just to repair it and when you repair gear it's not the fact that it's hard to repair but it can take a lot of time and you don't have all the equipment to to, mm-hmm. to deal with that so Uh, I spent a whole evening uh, working on some wire on the the solar panel and and I felt so tired after. Um, You're in an environment where uh, it's, it's super cold so your body needs a lot of rest and this is the key. If you don't have rest, your brain will just... You will want to go home, you know. And... That uh, that day I didn't have a lot of sleep, and uh, yeah. I just uh, decided to go again the day after, and everything was uh, good. Uh, solar panel and skis were in uh, almost perfect God. shape. Yeah,
1: which must feel amazing. Like that must like be a great great feeling. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what I love about uh, polar region is that you are in charge of what is. What you need for your, you know, what uh, what you need to survive, and uh, if there's just a little thing going wrong, uh, it's bad for for you and the expedition. But when you manage, you feel that uh, you can do everything after.
1: I mean, that's a that's a tough. Sounds like 24-hour period. Was that the, your hardest day, or what was your hardest day what, if, if not that?
0: Uh, there were some really bad days, but the last week of uh, the expedition was hard Uh, you're taking a lot of altitude and um, Mm. not that your body is not ready for that but uh, this with the cold and all the last uh, three weeks that I Mm -hmm. spent there it's like um, an astronaut uh, being a out in the sky for too long, it's it's yeah. hard on the body, you know. You it's it's not a good place to, to stay for long. Um, the weather was okay though and um,
1: Yeah. So what what kind of weather are you into now? Is it so sort of minus twenty ish kind of thing uh,
0: or? the last week was uh, minus thirty to minus thirty four. Mm.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um, the good part is that around the pole the wind is going down. So at least there was no wind factor too much I had a chance to have that calm um, week at the end but I, I was always asking um, uh, my uh, weather forecast um, uh, person if the wind would go down and he was always saying "Oh, tomorrow it's supposed to go down wind will go down tomorrow and uh, I waited so much for that and uh, the last week it was uh, quite good uh, condition but so cold Mm-hmm. So I um I just uh, needed to do less kilometers. Even if my sled was uh, uh more uh light, uh I was not able to do more kilometer. I expected mm-hmm. to do maybe double my kilometers but with all that and um the cold I was yeah.
1: I was yeah. Not you mentioned altitude, so what what what, uh, what 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 altitude are you reaching by this point, Rafa?
0: I would say maybe two thousand five hundred, if I'm not doing mistake. Oh
1: wow! So that's high up. I mean, that's that's so there is actually an oxygen change going on there for sure. Yeah. It's
0: um, it's not much, but with it's uh, compression of the heart at the pole, so it's you feel a lot more uh, the the compression, and you feel like you're more exhausted. Huh. I would say.
1: Describe the compression. Like, what do you mean by that?
0: So, at the pole, I think there's a a strength that is really uh, on the south and the north pole. And you can feel more that you... You would feel more the the altitude out there.
1: Interesting. So, that's... So, it's it's really... It's exhaustion, really, at this point, which is making it so difficult. Is that right?
0: Yes. And, you know, it's... uh, a competition with myself, yeah. uh, I uh, had in mind the, the big uh, the big goal for me was to uh, to do it in less than uh, 39 days. It yeah. was the number of days that uh, Johanna Davidson uh, did it uh, mm-hmm. in 2016, I think. And uh, I wanted to reach that goal because for me it was... Um, important to try to make these days go down and uh, set a new um, set a new record time Uh, I tried my best and I um, was really concerned if the weather would be okay for me to go Um, some people experienced uh, like maybe eight days in the tent at the end of the trip for some some people
1: Oh, just getting stuck because of weather. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: So it was hard for me to say, will I be able to go until the end uh, or will I have to, uh, to stay in the tent? So in between 33 days and 39, there's not a lot of difference. So I was uh, quite uh, quite stressed to do it in uh, Yeah. In, um, that number yeah, yeah, of days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, I mean, you're on your own, very much on your own. Uh, do, you, do you have music playlists that you're listening to? Like what, what do you do or are you just sort of really on your own? Like how, how are you getting through your days that way?
0: So it was important for me to listen to some music to forget mm-hmm. about the, forget about the wind that is so strong and making so much noise in your yeah. ears. So I had a lot of podcasts. Um, music from my place you know music yes yeah.
1: what was today? the song you listened to the most is there a song that went on repeat a lot
0: oh, I would say it was um, people like uh, Gilles Vigneault um, and music I was listening you know when I was younger and and uh, podcast about you know um, almost uh, radio and um, and small small talk stuff and um, after 30 days being out there my music stopped because uh, you need uh, to have uh,
1: uh, oh, you, the downloads are all yeah yeah the it, downloads
0: man. are gone so I felt so bad at that time because I had nothing to uh, to listen to and um, it it changed really what I was feeling about the place and I started to be more with myself and and it was good for me to pass all the last week alone alone and and listening only to uh, to the wind that was great a great moment
1: uh, yeah uh-huh. that's amazing and so describe for us that you know that that moment coming, coming into the South pole. Like what, what is that feeling like? And I understand there was a moment too, where your, your husband flew over you to meet you <laughs> at the South pole.
0: Yeah, that was an amazing time. Amazing moment. Uh, because uh, Vincent, my, uh, my husband is also um, uh, a polar um, adventure. He likes to uh, guide uh, also. And, um, he uh, was guiding a last uh, degree trip, so he was going with uh, people uh, at the South Pole, just guiding the last degree. It's uh, 111 kilometers, and um, they were going there um, around, um, I think it was, uh, yeah, first days of January, and then uh, we contacted the, each other on the the Enrich, so he. Send me a message, and um, I realized that the plane that was uh, over me was uh, him with his team, and yeah. uh, they film, they film me from uh, from there. And when I saw the video, I said to myself, "Wow, this is this is crazy!" You know, you you see yourself being alone out there in this vast and pristine place, full of stargazes. It's beautiful. And um that moment was uh, really great I think it was one of the best uh, moment in my life because you know you you want to reach the pole you know that uh, someone you love is out there that's a uh-huh. beautiful moment and um I just decided to try to do my best and go faster to reach uh, to reach uh, Vincent so that happened and um we continued to write to each other so he was able to wait for me at the South Pole. And uh, I wanted to do the last day um, quite fast. And I decided I should try to do 50K. Um, it didn't went uh, really well because I was uh, so tired. I um, was not able really to eat well.
1: Mm.
0: I uh, was only able to eat some butter um, yeah butter. just just like yeah, a
1: stick of butter yeah.
0: like just <laughs> yeah. a stick of butter, and uh, I felt it was really giving me a lot of uh, energy. Mm. I felt that the food was too hard to swallow, so I just took butter for like uh, the last days of the trip, and then 50k was too much, so I uh, tried my best, so the one day I did the 30k. And the other day, I tried to do like, yeah, 20. I think it was 15 the last day. And uh, even there, I felt that I was not about to do it. Uh, The more I was close to the pole, the more it was difficult. And then um, Mm. when you arrive out there, you see some uh, scientific buildings. It's it's a, a place where you think... There will be nothing, but there is a lot of uh, of yeah building and and you see that from really far. Yeah. So this is uh, small hills at the end, and sometimes you you lost everything. So you're still in the whiteout again, and uh, you're back, and you can see uh, the place again, and um, you want to go fast because uh, at the end, what I what I felt is that I would be safe you know no other days to think about a storm that can happen or uh, that I uh, needed to be careful for my equipment my boots they had a big hole in them and uh, I felt really cold on my feet so I, I was just that was enough for me I was just not able to fight anymore, and mm. I gave everything i I had so when i I saw the the buildings out there and i I tried my best to reach them, even if it not, it was not easy. so you see, after a big sign, I just realized that I wanted really to reach the pole, but I needed to take a break because I was alone for. 30, 33 days, and I needed uh-huh. to take that moment before going back to see the people, because
1: people, I, would, yeah.
0: I would see a lot of them out there. So I felt like really sad to leave that feeling and to leave like myself out there, the, the person I was alone, you know, confident and, and strong, and, and I just took that small moment before going. Yeah, I was feeling a bit sad, but at the same time really excited to see um, everyone out there.
1: Yeah. So
0: I arrived there in the last hours of the morning. Uh, I saw Vince from far away, and you need to still be unsupported. So uh, it was not a, he was not able to come to uh, to get me um, before I was uh, to the pole. So mm. I was always seeing and uh, seeing him. And then arrived to you know the flags. There is a lot of flags there of all the countries of um, the Antarctica Treaty that are positioned around a, a, a big um, mirror ball in the center of the the place. So mm-hmm. I reached that place, and that was the the end.
1: Um, and
0: yeah, yeah, Anamiki uh, really, really. Uh, strong explorer was there to uh, welcome me. She uh, did the first record um, of the solo uh, fastest expedition to the the South Pole from Erklesenlet. So I really respected her and I was so happy she was there to welcome me. So yeah, And you you
1: really, you smashed the record by like several days, like four or five days. So is that sinking in or is...
0: Yeah, it it was... uh, really funny because when I arrived uh, at the South Pole, I said oh, this is 34 days we made it, uh, it's great, you know and um, we did the mistake, I was uh, super tired, so I just said 34 days and uh, that's what we said to the people asking, you know and it went super uh, fast and uh, we lost the count because it was 33 days oh, wow. so now some papers were saying uh, the wrong number that I yeah. I said I felt that yeah the record was was now smaller you know the numbers of days uh, were 33 but what I felt the most was that I was feeling so close to Anna McKean and uh, Joanna Davidson that did that in the past alone so I said to them uh, thank you so much to um, you inspire you inspire me a lot, and um, that's the most important. And I want to be there for the next one, uh, trying this year. You know, trying to uh, do that record.
1: I mean, someone's someone will beat your record at some point. Are you okay with that?
0: Oh yeah, it's it's good to see that woman in the polar expedition or taking a good um, good space now. Um, Hercules Inlet led to South Pole is a good uh, way to do so Um, there's a lot of exciting expedition this one is really about uh, doing your best you can experience really bad weather and at the same time you have the um, the team of Ailey that is there to uh, to access you if there's something going wrong so that's um, that's a place where I hope uh, some people will break uh, this record. But my husband is actually trying to beat a uh, Christian ID record uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a huge record because this is 24 days for mm-hmm. men record. Um, so he will try uh, this uh, this somewhere in uh, Antarctica to to do his best. We'll yeah. see. It will be yeah. interesting to
1: follow. Fantastic. We'll have to keep an eye on that as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, you remember you mentioned at the start of this interview, like you, when you sort of had an inkling of being an explorer when you were very young, but had no idea how to get started. I mean, what would your advice be to someone who does want to do these kinds of expeditions and sort of make this a, a career?
0: I would say, you know, small, small steps um, is the best way to feel that you can reach your um, goals I think uh, I start with knowing nothing and and I just surrounded myself with um, experts and people that know really more than me and I will never say that I know more than people because I'm I feel I can always learn for the from the best and uh, that's what i feel about uh, this this trip in antarctica it's it's about the team um we were a lot we were maybe hundreds of people that were here with me in the expedition because some people were working on my tent so i can have the best tent uh, some people were doing food with me and i don't know a lot about like nutrition but i surrounded myself with people that knew a lot about all the aspects of the expedition and
1: mm-hmm.
0: not being able to ask around for me was, I, I mean, asking around for some help was really difficult before I was doing a polar expedition, but now I feel that that's the key. Um, some people are just there and they would like to see their ideas um, go with you on expedition so they're quite excited in another way of you but they they're quite excited to to help you in any way so now i just ask and that's the best you can do (laughs) yeah
1: it's i mean it's a small world you live in in that way right and it's uh, people and people do want to help i think as a general rule
0: oh yeah i'm trying to do my best also there's so different aspects you can just ask women if you're doing a woman expedition and and Now I'm focusing really on that and wants to do some uh, little uh, workshop uh, to help people accomplish their dream in Polar Mm
1: -hmm. Expedition. Awesome. Well... um... I, before I let you go, a question we ask everyone on this podcast is uh, if they have a favorite. They can describe a favorite place they have in Canada. Is there what's a favorite spot? Maybe a happy place you go to in your mind, or just love to visit or go back to over and over. Or,
0: well, Canada is. A,
1: it's a big place. I know. A big
0: place, <laughs> and we have a lot of um, really. Really pristine kind of um, place that there's not a lot of people going there. You know, Nunavut is, is is for me the place where I would like to go and go back again. Um, I was uh, before the trip the trip in Antarctica I was in um, a place called um, uh, Grisfjord if you know Mm -hmm. the place. Yeah, uh, that's
1: uh, at the bottom end of Ellesmere Island. Exactly. Way up. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And uh, it's it's pretty wild out there. Um, And there's so much wildlife. Uh, There's uh, white wolves. There's a lot of rabbits. There's a lot of polar bears. And you feel really that you don't necessarily belong there at first and that you need to learn more about the place uh, before you go. And when you um, talk with the people there, they know and they remember how to live with the land. And this is a process that I want to include more in my expedition, spend time and learn about the land before going and learn what you can eat what you can't eat and and learn how to survive and people living there they have so great ideas about camping and and trying to talk with them about how i camp and how people living them there they they camp in winter this is really interesting and we exchanged some some uh, different ideas about that um,
1: so I yeah. learned a lot when I, I was there. Yeah. No. So, I mean, the Inuit have been up there like a thousand years plus, you know, they, they have yeah. forgotten stuff that we don't, we'll never even know about. Yeah.
0: True. So definitely, uh, definitely Nunavik.
1: Yes. I mean, I always encourage people to go see Canada's North because I mean, I think a lot of us fly South in the, in the winters, but I mean, there's a whole world up there that is so spectacular and so different in, in, in incredible ways. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a magical place, and we're very lucky as Canadians oh, to have that. We are. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time, and congratulations again—a belated congratulations on on your uh, on your success down in Antarctica.
0: Thank you uh, so much, everyone. Uh, hopefully, uh, people will be able to understand my uh, French accent. Sorry. No, it's,
1: <laughs> it's lovely. You were perfect. Don't <laughs> <worry>. <laughs> Great. Thanks to Carolyn Cote for sharing that adventure with us. You can learn more about her work at Carolyn-Cote.com, so cot dot If you like what we do here on Explore, please give us a five star rating and write a really glowing review of why you like this podcast specifically. Really perjure yourselves. We're slaves to the algorithm here in the podcast world. And those two things, a five-star rating, a great review, are the single best ways we can bring more listeners to this podcast. So thank you for your help with that. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss future... And also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Until next time, when we'll explore again, I'm David McGuffin. I think right now we're doing very much looking back at the earth And it's just a, a fantastic experience. And I just can't wait to get back and start telling you. We're right Simpson about June 10th with a fire brigade consisting of a number of yacht boats, each man by 10 voyageurs. For us Indians, it means that Indian oral history is very strong. A little low over every inch of the country that it could be. We're hoping that he would fire at it. Oh, I guess 160 rides or so. I'm a first for Canada.